Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience scripturally organic, culturally unmodified teaching, get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer from your host, Dr. Paula Price, author of The Prophet's Dictionary. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price. not you just take it <laughs> so i want to talk now i'm set i'm all set welcome to the jesus and paula show that's my newest thing guys and you know why because without christ i can do nothing so i want to thank you for tuning in we got a great great thursday show prepared for you let me start by reminding you that june 19th through the 22nd the 2019, we are having our Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute. And I like the idea that it's an institute because it is not a conference. We don't do, you know, your typical conference. Everybody in this particular event and in our lineup is a part of helping develop, train, nurture, and empower you in the sphere of God's prophetic. And I want to say the Lord Jesus is prophetic because that's a big deal today. You know, everybody has a prophetic sphere. You know, and a lot of prophets find themselves sucked up into the pagan sphere. So we have here disrupting prophets of the pagan age because the pagan age thinks they're replacing the church age. And so you can't replace the church age because the church is not just a, a the body of congregations or mass of congregations, the church is the spirit of Christ. And we're going to talk about the spirit of Jesus Christ because we don't know that. You know, we, are, we like, you can know them by their spirit. Well, yeah, we like that, but let's talk about what that means. But moving ahead of myself, I'm excited because we have, as our speakers, 
and our developers, uh, we have here, I want to make sure I'm seeing it right, we have Dr. Hakeem Collins, Dr. Naeem Collins, Jeff Sievers, and Chief Prophet Tyler Price, and of course me, I decided I'd pop in. And so it'll be registration. Go online, drpaulaaprice.com. I'm sure we have Eventbrite registration, and we'll work that out because, you know, we do it all the time. So we want to do that. I'm excited because I want to get on to it. Today I'm going to have a different type of show. I'm going to have Chief Prophet Tyler. You know Chief Prophet Tyler. Ooh, we were, were you all on with us last night? Wasn't that powerful? Oh, we had a blast last, last night. So if you were not on Wednesday Warriors last night, go. When you're done with us today, now don't go now, uh-huh. but go and, and view last night's broadcast. I think it was Facebook Live and Periscope, both of those. And on your page. And on my page. So you can even go to my page. And so we had a blast. It was a Q&A. We talked about the, the you know, Jesus, of course we talk about Jesus because this, you know, is about Jesus for us. A lot of people say that and then they never mention him again. <laughs> or they never teach you about him. But it's about Jesus. We just don't give him a mention. I mean, the Lord doesn't even get an honorable mention. You know, you know, a, a, just kind of like a, you know, kind of a, a, a indulgent mention. Jesus is Lord. And so I come here every week and I, I, I stand here, I get in my car, come and say, me and the omnific three. Me and the Godhead, we make a powerful team. See, I don't need to break it down. I need more of God, not less. So I know some of y'all like that Jesus only and that we're only the Holy Spirit. Uh, that's cool. That's not me. I want all of it. That's like somebody wanting your body and not your soul. Somebody wanting your soul and doesn't want your body. Someone wanting your spirit and doesn't want your soul and your body. You understand that we need all three parts of us to be useful to anybody, including ourselves. So we had a blast. We talked about... Well, what did we talk about, guys? Come on, shout out some of the things we discussed. Because, you know, I was on fire, and I got caught up. Rachel, what are some of the things? We talked about uh, Abraham's bosom. We talked about Jesus' bosom. <laughs> 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 we talked about uh, the energy of... The blood? Yeah, and all that kind of stuff. Woo! So many things we talked about. Nice. What happened? In the sermon, you're not going to preach at the funeral? <laughs> And so we talked about that. And you know what else we talked about that I really loved? 
we talked about God can do it. God can do anything. Even how we kicked it off, you know, when Chief comes, that's a hot button, so I don't want to steal all of her thunder, but I'm going to get a piece of lightning out of it. And so we talked about how people think God can save anybody. That's why people marry unsaved folks, because you realize God can save anybody. And so God can, what God can do and what God will do is two different things. And so when people say God can do it, I'm asking, tell me that what he will. Well, if he wants to, well, does he want to? See, we stop at people's idiocy, at people's naivety, at people's arrogance, at people's deception, at people's delusion. We stop at all those places, but the truth is God can do anything, but does he want to? Is it valuable to him? Remember, we talked about the fact that God has to give you repentance for you to want to be saved. Some of these people came to the altar. God never gave them repentance because God knew they weren't going to treat him right. And so they went back and said, oh, that church thing. I mean, I don't, don't, you know, instance, whatever. But and so we talked about why God can't just save everybody. Or better yet, why God won't. First of all, God doesn't want some of them devils back in heaven, and some people are blown to that. So he has to be very circumspect and very discriminating about who he receives into his son and then watch us for a period of decades to make sure that we are going to want to stay saved. In other words, that our salvation is valuable to us, that we want to live where God lives. See, we, we have given you the impression that God is, you know, he's, he's crying over you, and we treat God like an indulgent, weak parent. God's not indulgent, and he's not weak. The indulgence is that he doesn't take us off the planet for some of our idiocy. That doesn't nonsense. We do crazy things to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we have people say, well, he can, God can save anybody. Yeah, but if he, everybody that God's going to save, he already saved because he put them in Jesus Christ before the foundation of the world. So those <clears throat> that are born again, hey, did you get coffee? Got mine. It's good today, too. You know, Every now and then, we try to get that cup of coffee. you glad you woke up for it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I am so glad I woke up for this cup of coffee. <laughs> so God has already saved all that will be saved. Now, you might say, well, you know, that's not true, but, the, but, but, but Paul and the uh, apostles said that God saves such as are being saved. And so the sinner's prayer is only the pop out the womb. It's your adult, mature Christianity that matters. And so you have got to get to a point that you stop telling people God can save anybody because God's already saved those that are being saved. He's already saved all he's going to say. He's not sitting there saying, oh, wow, I let that one slip through the cracks. They were all in Christ Jesus. And until you understand that your soul, your whole being was in Christ Jesus, before, at least your spirit, I'll say that, your spirit, because, you, you know, I think it's all, but we'll talk about that later. But your spirit was in Christ Jesus before, write this down. Are you writing it down? I want you to write it down on a, I want you to get a piece of paper one page in your journal, that one piece of paper, I want you to write in big, bold letters. B4. <laughs> B4. And just leave it there. Five 
the Holy Ghost will get an opportunity to say, before the foundation of the world, we were in Christ, according to Paul's letter to the Ephesians, in Christ, in Christ, before, before we were in Adam, we were in Christ. Does anybody think that's exciting? Before there was an Adam, we were in Christ. I don't know about you, but that's a powerful thing. Now, I'm going to tell you, because, you know, you have these preachers to say, well, in that case, Adam was saved. No, no, no. The second Adam was saved. God didn't lose the first Adam. He surrendered it. God will surrender what's not his. He'll surrender what doesn't want to be him. Oh, is anybody working with me? I know. Am I messing with you? I love this. See, if you can man, I just chuck a pair roast in the mouth. You know, that makes me, I got to get my stuff. Hold on. Where's my gap? Hold on. I got a gap over here. Hold on. Yeah. And then I got a bet. Now we, Now the show's on. <laughs> Had to get my stuff. Slap, cough, got that. Mm. And so we were in Christ. You know, because people say, well, I think God, Adam and Eve went to heaven. No, they didn't. They couldn't because they surrendered their souls to the spirit of death. And there was no plan of redemption for them. Like, in order for any mortal to make it into God's realm, there has to be a, a, a plan of redemption because the covenant of redemption is your pathway. So it's very pathological. You can't just run around just like you can't run up in somebody's womb like that. You just can't. So, but so they didn't. So then, what Adam was in was in Christ. Christ had his precarnate self and his listen, his born again self in his own spirit with a kind of like how the fourth man was in the fiery furnace. Wow. I don't know about y'all. Did y'all catch me? Yeah. I'm loving on this Jesus. I'm excited today because, you know, the more I learn him, you know, that we may know him. See, the problem is we have known Jesus as our Savior, and we personify and privatize that salvation to our benefit according to our preferences. I just let God be God. Come on, Jesus. Show up, baby. Be God. God. Hallelujah. Bless God. Be the Lord. Say what you want to say. Be what you want to be. Do what you want to do because you're the Almighty, and I'm glad that you called me, and not just called me, called me by my name. You know, God doesn't mention your name. You're not in. Because he says your name are written. In the land book of life. So there's no, God doesn't ever use your name. You need, you got a problem. Because see, God will call his, his creation by a lot of things. He'll call you the unrighteous. He'll call you the righteous. He'll call you the rebels. He'll call you the healers. He'll call you by the, he'll call you the sinners. God will call you by adjectives. <laughs> but baby, he will not speak that now. Did you like that? I know you did. You got to love me because, hey, I'm lovable. I'm lovable because I'm truthable. I bring you the truth of God. Hallelujah. I am here by the spirit of truth, and I'm here by the power of the Holy Ghost. You know, people, you start moving up in God and growing in God. I'm coming up on 34 years. I've been with this man for 34. Are you kidding me? I've been with Jesus for 34 years, never cheated on him, love him up. Mm -hmm. 
bunches of sugar. If you're not, if, if he's not the object of your affection, you need to grow a little bit. Honey, man, Jesus. Yeah, I do. I call him all of that. I walk through my house and call him all. Yes, I do. You know why? Because he's not an icon to me. He's a person. He's not just a being. He's a person, one I happen to love dearly. Why do I share this with you? So you can join me in treating your king right, and you can love on him like he's for real. Because when you deeply love something or love somebody, you treat it differently. It literally arouses in you affection and sentiments and emotions, but it also arouses in you compliance, conformance, and the idea of satisfying him. See, I like satisfying him. It's, it's not hard for me. And that's probably why he just keeps me here in reserve. You know, come on, Paul, go tell him again. Yeah, we're going to be in the omnific three. Paula, Price, and the Godhead. We are one. And I can say that because you were taught over the years of your salvation to not make any claim to God and any claim to his glory and any claim to, like, he's nobody. Are you kidding me? I'm glad I didn't learn those lessons. I'm so excited because I can wrap my praise around him like my arms. That's why I just say, mm, love you, Jesus. Come on. When I get ready to do a project, I say, come on, sweetheart. It's me and you. What are we going to do? Come on, Dad. Come on, Father. Hey, Holy Ghost, we're on. We're up. <laughs> what are we doing? I've been doing it for years, but, the, the, but these last 10 years, before I was doing it because I was just downright belligerent. Now I do it because I believe and I've been transformed. I am the substance, substance of the Almighty, and I'm telling everybody because I don't care. I'm the substance of the Almighty. I went from, listen, I went from essence to presence to substance. I am the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and I like it. You know, other people say, wow, you just religious. No, you religious because you're looking at my love from somebody as religious. I'm like, please. That's like me saying to you that you're religious because you love your husband. You love your mom and your dad. Nobody calls you religious. They call you sincere. Right. Coffee sip. <laughs> <laughs> Baby, I'm sincere with this man. And you know what? And he's sincere with me. And God is like, you know, God is the God. You don't give him something to say, oops, I'm sorry. He doesn't do oops well, not at all. He's like, I thought that was mine. That's not mine? You know, that's mine. He'll tell me, you, you are my peculiar treasure. You're my treasure. You know, treasures don't get up off the shelf and go walk with somebody else. They got to be stolen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can't steal because I am filled with the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And I, I understand that, that, you know, some people, that, you know, God doesn't mean that to you. I'm just saying what it means to me. And he made, to me, he means everything. And I appreciate God. I appreciate our conversation. I appreciate the classes because, you know, he's always training. God's always training. That's why people stay the same. So I'm like, they're close with God. I'm like, I'm not sure which one you're close with. Or either God shut the window and you didn't know. You probably failed the class and didn't know. <laughs> because he said, my Bible said we go from glory to glory, faith to faith, and strength to strength. So somewhere along the line, God cuts your training. God cuts your transformation. God cuts your instructions. 
And so I told you, I, you know, go back a couple of Facebooks. You all remember I talked about when that one day he didn't talk to me. I cut up. Yes, I did. I still do. I cut up. What do you mean you're not talking to me? You're my God. I don't have another God. You don't get me all addicted to you and then you go out with. No, no. You owe me, Jesus, because you woke me up. You owe me because you got me hooked on you. You owe me because you made me dependent. You made me love you. Are you kidding? You're my honey man. How you going to not talk to me? You're going to talk to me, and he talks to me all day every day. Now, I realize that we have some, you know, dark-minded psychologists and psychiatrists will tell me it's my imagination, and I would say, well, the same thoughts you think about the people you're treating, or those your imagination? Because we, we're doing the same thing. When you say, I perceive, or I imagine, or I see, or whatever, you want us to believe that because you got some paper? I've got paper. Hold on. i got paper. Hold on. <laughs> Love this man. I love that I get to fall in love with God and to just to treat him with respect and to give him. I want God to have an outlet. He needs an outlet. He needs a conduit. You know, we say use me, Lord, and then we say leave me alone. I'm pleased. You've got to make up your mind which one you want. Are you kidding? Use me, sweetheart. I do. And I like sugar in love. He likes sugar. He's affectionate. He had an affectionate name for Israel, Jeshurun. We read that. Are you kidding? So God loves affection. Because how are you going to say he's love and he got no affection? How are you going to say he's love and he doesn't want to be touched by the affective side of you? So he might, I tell you all the time, since Jesus, you're my honey. What are we doing? We walk through the stories. We shop. Boy, in the beginning, it was so hard. And it was hard because he did all the work. I just went along confused. But I grew up. And he and he'll come. He told you'll grow into it. Okay. So he already had the framework for our relationship. He already had the infrastructure. It was done. He had already decided that you're gonna be my peculiar treasure. And you're gonna be like like um God said to Moses, as for you, you stand beside me. You're gonna be stationed beside me. So God had already laid out the parameters of our relationship and our union and how we were going to go forward in life, mine and his. Don't you love hearing it like this instead of that other stuff? So he laid it out. So I'm a top, you know, when you start with God, you're a little toddler. You just holler around. He take one stride and you take 500 just to keep up, just to go where he's been. You know, just 500 strides. You know, I'm short. Of course, you all know that. And my husband is not. And boy, it used to frustrate me that when he walked, he would never remember I was short. <laughs> hey, you're leaving me. And you know how you go to the mall and you see a lot of parents, uh, mostly dads more than mom, but today is kind of like all of them. And the parents are just striding along, and the little toddler is rushing, trying to keep up. Well, that's how it was with me and Jesus. I took 500, you know, steps to his one stride. But eventually, it shrunk. Eventually caught up. This is the Jesus and Paula show. If you just tuned in, this is the Jesus and Paula show. <laughs> yes, I am. It's the Jesus and Paula show. So you are. So we're not confused if I talk about if only talk about Jesus. Now you know why. Mm-hmm. I told me he, he's gonna bankroll. Bankroll is on fire. Sure, come on here. So our 
grew up in, and it was 400 strides. Then we got down to three. Oh, my goodness. I thought I, was, I could almost do a shadow. <laughs> you know, before I was a little far away, they even a shadow outwalked me. And so then I got down to two, and, boy, I got down to 100 steps to his stride because I was getting bigger, and I was letting him know I'm on you. I'm on you. I'm, I'm, right, I'm catching up. And, you know, God will do that on purpose to see if you will chase him. He said, when you chase me, he said, I want you to chase me down. Because you chase everything else in life, and you come to me when your energy is gone. I don't know. Anyway, so I finally got down to 10 strides. And he showed me, you know, in visions, I see myself close. You know, you know when you're real close, when your kids are on your heels? I got on his heels, and I told him, I got you. I found you. He said, you didn't. I found you. That's all right. And then next thing I know, we are side by side, shoulder to shoulder, like those living creatures in Ezekiel's vision, me and Jesus. Shoulder to shoulder, hand to hand, arm to arm. Yes, we are. He moved, I moved. All of me fused into him. I said, I like that. And I told him, I said, I like it, Lord Jesus. I do. And I, I mean, I, and then I knew I'd grown up when two things happened. Number one, I no longer had a ministry. I knew we had become one because we started being, what, what do you call it, symbiotic, synchronous, and synthesized. I had no life outside of Jesus. See, when you first start out, your ministry is everything. You didn't need a ministry. You got to preach. You got to tell somebody how it happens. You got to come out of you. You get all upset. And so you pushing your way in this door, pushing your way in that door. Lord, Lord if you're a prophet, God, everybody got to know that God is using you. <laughs> it's at that point where you're like with many, many, many people, many novices and neophytes abusing. And so you have to get past the abusive thing. Once you get past that, then it comes to a, okay, God and I partner. Okay, God's like, that's fine. That's another stage. Collaborate. Me and God, we collaborate. No, mm-mm. God and I and me, right now, we are fused. I don't know where he ends and I begin, and I don't care. I don't have to say anything. If God doesn't want to talk, I don't need to talk. I can sit there and look at you and have fun. Make my little mental note, man, God, I'm going to talk about it later. I don't have to. Whatever he needs is what I do. Like, if, if the whole idea of me quitting God, it was in those first two stages. You already, If you're going to fall back and if you're going to defect, if you're going to betray him, it's going to be in stage one and stage two. By the time you get to collaboration stage, you all have become familiar and you've become very comfortable with him. And you like, right now, you both have begun to, to, um, um, to synthesize. See, collaboration is when you're synthesized. But then the next level, to me, as far as my experience, was when I got to the point that not only had we synthesized, we became unionized. We are one. There is not one thing God wants that I don't want to give him. See, you know when you're at the highest level when you want to give God more than you want to ask for See, I want to give him everything. I want God to have the best ministers. I want him to have the best prophets. I want him to have the best apostles. I want him to have the best saints. I want him to have the best confidence. I want to give him. And when I'm in prayer, I said, I do what I say to Jesus, I want, I want to give you this. I want this. Or I'll say to him in my prayers, hey, Jesus, I want this for you. 
Because isn't that what you say to people you love? I want this for you. And I'll tell them that. I said, you know, every now and then I'll get real sugary. I said, sweetheart, honey man, I want this for you. I want you to have the best. I want you to shine. I want you to have your glory. I want you to take the planet. I want you to have your inheritance. I want this for you. How often have you prayed and said, but God, I want this for you. You know your wants are always there. We preach the whole thing, that whole doctrine out of him giving us the desires of our heart. We don't care about his desires. We don't care about his heart. We don't care. And many times our desires break his heart. That's why you got to synthesize. Well, is that what it means to be saved and the Holy Spirit is in us? Not if it's not in your soul. If God's got to wait for it till your soul dies and your body dries up, he's got a long, long journey. But I like it. So I tell them all the time. I say, I walk through my house. I say, Jesus, because let me tell you why I do this. You want to know why? Because if you don't talk him, you won't walk him. Because yeah. you talk about your loved ones, don't you? And you take them everywhere you go, and you speak to them all day long. So I keep telling people, God is, invis- is invisible to the blind, not the seed. God's not invisible to his creatures. He's not invisible to the animals. That's why when he shows up, your, your animal acts crazy. Puppy get all excited, cat gets all up. I'm telling you, because when God, when we would have deep prayer, or when the Holy Spirit or one of his angels started moving through the house, our dog used to say, what? Yeah. Because we are the only ones that are de- denied the privilege of seeing him at, at our will. Devils see him. Angels remember pigs? Devils see him. Angels see him. Animals see him, creatures see him, humans don't. Because it's a privilege. More coffee. So I don't have a problem with it. I really don't. I know that God's kingdom rules over all because, well, Paul, even Paul and them knew it. Jesus showed up to Paul at posthumously. Here's something interesting. You know how they keep telling you that, you know, well, Paul didn't walk with, with the original apostles, and therefore he couldn't see Jesus. Let me just kill that devil. I'm going to kill that devil rhetoric. That's devil rhetoric. Called heresy. Because when Jesus died, none of the apostles ever saw him physically again, and their commission died with him. So in order for them to be commissioned to the world, he had to reappear as the glorified one. The whole New Testament is about Jesus reappearing to reactivate those commissions. So the 12 apostles had to see Jesus just like Paul did. Oh, I'm kidding. So the 12 apostles had the same reintroduction to Jesus Christ as Paul did. The only difference between them and Paul, if I had to say it, the only difference between them and Paul is that they recognized Jesus from his earthly form. But that was important so that when Jesus showed up to them, showed up to Paul posthumously, they could say to Paul, you're right, that was, that is the cross. But see, you got to honey him up to understand those fine lines. 
in those fine points. And I do, honey, and I love it. I tell him I love it. Jesus, I just love you so much. It's so great to talk to you. I do. And let me tell you, you think I'm kidding. You really do. It sounds, doesn't it sound fantastic? But I've got an attendant <laughs> who can tell you about me and Jesus. Do I not? Me, are you kidding? This woman, we in the car. I act like she ain't, she's not even there. I'm going to go, hey, honey, man, I want to do this. Thank you, Jesus. Bless you. Yes, I do. I called him that. And you know why? Because he's my honey. And so I'm affectionate with my Lord. So I want him to understand that I don't need, I don't just love him because he's in his office. I don't love him because he's, he, he's in his particular responsibilities. What I feel for Jesus goes beyond his responsibilities, obligations, duties, etc. to me. I love the person. I love the man. I love his personality. I love how he thinks. I love how he makes things happen. I love his decision-making processes. I love how he goes and says, we're doing it. Do you know? Oh, I'm not sure. Did you hear that? Y'all upset y'all, didn't I? I did. Have to get up. <laughs> you want to know when you're there? I gave you a clue a couple of weeks ago. Because, see, we can talk about it. Everybody's talking about your rights. God's got to forgive you. God's got to do this. God's grace has got to let you off the hook. God, all of this is God's got to. I'm killing the God's got to garbage. Because God doesn't have to do anything he doesn't want to do. And you can't go to his house and make it. Isn't that great? It's the truth. I'm like, how are you going to make God release his grace? You can. You just presume upon it, and then the false spirit does it and gives you a knockoff, a mock-up of what God really does when he wants to. Hallelujah. So the reason I know I'm comfortable, because it's the hardest part. Lean in. Wait, 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 hold on a minute. Share, 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 share. Go share, because other people want to know how to cuddle up to the Holy Ghost. I cuddle up to Jesus. He's my cuddle. Yes, I do. And he likes it. You know, I know it because I'm, I, I don't just say, whoo, this is really nice. Uh-uh. God, a cloud, he'll walk it, come in my room, cloud, room full of clouds. Oh, warm, beautiful. He makes his own ambient light. I'm like, oh, Jesus, that's so sweet. He's my sugar, and he knows it. And I tell him, and I ask him sometimes, now you do know you're my sugar, right? He said, I know. He said, you're mine. I said, oh. <laughs> oh, I get excited. He stepped up in my room, I'm telling you. And even when devils come in, they see him coming, they be like flying through the walls. Just I got to get up. <laughs> Because God takes up all the space. And so, comes in, there's, I mean, they're just different manifestations, but this one I think is worth sharing. So you fill my room, and then all of a sudden we get this glorious, like, stars. I said, look at you bringing your own life. That's wonderful, Jesus. Yes, it is. And then we chat. And we visit. Sometimes he chats, and I, I, get, sometimes I get so excited, he has to say, shut up. 
Come on, all excited. I'm like, I'm like, that, 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 and my man, and that, that, shut up. Be still. Silence. So I'm thinking maybe he's silencing me and anything else around in the atmosphere. I'm not sure, but I do go. <laughs> I, I mean, I have amazing times with this man. Now, I'm going to go into why this is all happening, but I wanted you to get what God is saying. So let me explain something else to you so you can grasp it. The, you, the early step of getting to God that way is not letting your feelings get hurt. He said to me the other day, he said, I'd like to be more vocal with my people, but everything's some sort of moral failure. Everything is a divine judgment. They're hiding under the bed, dodging me, turning on the TV, going and talking on the phone. Whatever he said, I would love to be myself, but they're not ready for the self that is me. See, God has his own self. There's me. This is me. So I have to get accustomed. Are you all following me on Facebook? Are y'all really rolling with me? Are they rolling with me, Rachel? <laughs> so I had to literally get accustomed to God being God. See, God is blunt. See, God's truth. So he's blunt. So God is going to bluntly say, Lord, is that my fault? Yeah. And so you start giving him an excuse. No, that's not right. So I spent like three years just getting accustomed to God's bluntness. He's like blunt. He's not the, you know how people say, well, he's the, he's the Holy Father, the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He wouldn't hurt your feelings. Are you kidding? God will hurt your feelings if what you're feeling is hurting him. If what you're doing is hurting him, God's going to hurt your feelings. Now, here's what I found out. The man is blunt. I said, Jesus, do you know you think they're mine? He said, if I speak, it's my mind. I said, but God, I mean, you go into truth. He said, if I open up my mouth to speak to you, it's truth. If I don't feel you can handle my truth, I don't speak. Because I cannot lie. So people are like, well, he just, the Holy Spirit, he just comes in and what? No, no, no. First thing God's got to do is strengthen you for him because his Holy Ghost is going to go to work on slaughtering you. So I don't know where they got this. He's a gentleman. He's not going to do that. But then that's, that's somebody who had a good parent. And they wanted to make sure that everybody enjoyed their parental experience with God. But God is not that. The Holy Spirit is true. And see, God's tenderness and our tenderness, two different things. We, God's tenderness is from being immortal, eternal, divine creator. Our tenderness is from our mortality and frailty. So that doctrine is giving peace and soothing our mortality and our frailty. But it's not describing the Almighty. Because every time God shows up, he's got to strengthen you for him. He's got to strengthen you. So he's got to come up. If you've got real issues, he'll start, he'll start out by talking in monosyllables. So, Lord, do you love me? Yes. That's it. No more. he tell you it's sufficient. It's enough. Well, God, am, I mean, am I wrong? Yes. I know, y'all laughing because he does that, doesn't he? Because he's not going to give you any more. That. Why won't he give you more? Because you are not ready to know how you're wrong, why you're wrong. And you're not ready to know those two. You cannot do anything about your wrong. So God, you know, a gentleman, first of all, a gentleman, you can have some sort of invention with men that, you know, men came up with because they could do anything they want to do and dress up in a suit and look really good while they did it. 
I mean, today when we say gentleman's club, we're talking about not dancing and carrying on. We're not talking about the almighty. Far be it from God to do wickedness. So God is not going to be gentle with you because you can't take it. He's just going to deal with you invisibly, inaudibly, and imperceptibly until he has gotten you strong enough to deal with him as a reality. Sugar pie Jesus. My honey man. And so he'll do it. So God wants to get you to the point that he says no, and you're not going to act like you want to have. He says no. I remember them doing something. God never said no. Then what God you did with you? I know you weren't with Cupid. Because the Almighty going to tell you no. The Bible's full of no. No, you shall not. But because we're mortal, we're frail, we're blind, we're intimidated by God. God is intimidating. And so you have to grow up a lot, a whole, you have to muffle up a lot to deal with him because God's intimidating. Jesus is intimidating. Paul said, you, you, you know, he was crucified in weakness. Y'all knew him in weakness, but you will know him thus no more. You're going to know the pre-carnate Christ, the man who has to keep creation, the man who has to keep himself around to the last amen, to the spirit and bride say, come. That's a different kind of Christ. The Christ you all serve has no purpose. The Christ that most of the church is teaching has no power because he has no purpose. The Christ that we all, those folks, not me because I got the sugar pie honey one. But anyway, <laughs> I got the honey one. Hold on, I'm just, I'm fasting right now. Just a minute, I'll be back. Just a minute. me. 
amazing. He's amazing, phenomenal, and he's everything anybody can need. And this woman will tell you, I act like this in the car, in my house, in my kitchen. Because people think this is a show. Show is just there just to say, just for you to name it something. I might put something else out on that. But I act just like this. He's my honey man. And any, because if you're, the people who are going to tell you if your leader is holy are the ones that are closest to him. They're going to tell you if your leader is genuine. They're going to tell you if your leader has a real relationship with Jesus Christ. They're going to tell you if your leader behaves or misbehaves out of your sight, out of your presence. My leaders are going to tell you, no, this is not an act. This is, I don't have to act because I'm not acting like I love him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not acting like I love Jesus. I'm not acting like he's important. I'm not acting like he's God. I don't have to act like it. Hallelujah. I'm enjoying feasting on it. Yes, I am. Sweet Jesus. There's nobody like him. I I know. I know for a fact that he loves singing. I know he loves dancing. Strange as it is, he loves the experimentations and all of the scientific and he likes that. Because all of it reveals aspects of his makeup. He loved worship because the majority of the world worships something else that he's got to fix when they get tore down. He loves it. Praise, yeah, he needs praise. You don't just get cussed out all day long. That's why he says continual praise because he got continual cussing. Continual cheating, continual theft, continual lying. He's dealing with that all day long. So he raised up an institution called the Ecclesia to give him some release, to be the sweet sound of worship. And, and, and as we like to say, the sweet songs of David. He needs that. That's why I do it. I said, no, I'm not, and I'm not going to give you that religious praise. Everybody got their own experience of the Lord Jesus Christ. Mine just happens to be sugary. <laughs> And he rewards me. Hey, look at the abilities I have. Because you can't, if God can't come close to you and you not be upgraded, updated, imparted, improved, energized. You see what I mean? You can't. He's got, that's why he keeps his distance. Because you'll end up getting his rewards without earning them and without respecting him for them. So he keeps a distance. Hit something. Oh, oh, oh. He's my honey man. So I don't care. That's why I told God, they they ain't got nothing I want. I want to get a job done so the world is a utility to me. It's just a utility. I like my lights, my phone, my heat. It's just a utility to get a thing done. Because when you have been on that level and you've looked at this man's world, you're like, ooh, hmm. Yeah, we are slumming. (laughs) Our best is slumming. Because, honey, those God's creatures, whoo, man, are you all all right with this? Are you okay? Are they okay with it? Because sometimes, you know, they say, well, she always preaches hard and whatever. Are you kidding me? I don't preach hard. You're soft. <laughs> because the Bible says if you faint in the day of adversity, it is because your strength is weak. Because God is true, and you better buck up because the man is almighty. So you you keep saying, I want God. Lord, just let him feel your presence. Are you kidding? You got people telling you that when God gets close to you, you don't fall out. Are you kidding me? Are you, the power of God, 
pumping through your veins because it's piercing your pores and it's moving into your blood, your blood and that blood is flowing throughout your That's why you feel the pulsing. Boom. Boom. Well, anyway, you're going to have to come to my classes to get the rest of that because I'm not killing. I'm like, no, well, you haven't been close to the Almighty. You've been close to the, you know, some wind. You know, the Holy Ghost will just sit there stand on the other side of the room and go. <laughs> because you have to be strengthened to be to to take God's presence in its full form. That's why it's momentary. He just runs through. Because if he lingers, somebody's not standing. And God ain't going there. I know. I do. I run through my house, girl. I do. Sometimes when he comes in, he like that. Oh, and I just love it. I love it because, and I tell him, you are welcome. Whatever time. He'll wake me up in the middle of the night. I don't care. We want to talk. Okay, well, then we'll talk because that's what you do with loved ones. So he talks, we talk, we chat, he lets me know what's going on, told me about the storm, let me know why things are going on. I said, ooh, okay. And he lets me know so I can cooperate with him instead of command what he set in motion to stop because it displeases me. Look at that. She having a blast. She can't even stop. Girl, girl's on. That's one of, our, one of our audience people. They just got touched by the Holy Ghost. She said, I got to go. Because she said, I'm running. She's in the hallway. So if y'all hear that other sound, that's the phrase of the affected going up. <laughs> I love my Jesus. I love him. I don't just like Jesus. I don't just need him. I don't just find him interesting, although he is intriguing. And man, woo. And so, he, and so Jesus does what all loved ones do when they know you sincerely. Just get, just, uh, yeah, she back, y'all. <laughs> but she's going to leave again. I'm sure of that. <laughs> Hallelujah. We, because he's intrigued. And so what, what Jesus does when loved ones do, when they know they are dearly beloved and they know they are number one, they begin to share themselves. Because he knows that what he shares will be cherished. And I cherish him. So he shares his mind, his thoughts. He shares his experiences. People ask, where do you get this stuff from that you write? And then most people will tell you, my books are written in ways that they don't see. It's not common. And you know why? Because he shares himself. When you read the, the Gospels, the one that shows that Jesus wanted to reveal himself to somebody and for someone to know him as he was, is, and is, will ever be is John. John talks about the Son of God because Jesus, being, he's here on this planet 30 years away from his home, mixed up in, in a state or form that he's never been, which is I'm, like, I'm the Son of God and I'm, I'm bound to mortality by my mama. And I'm in a world that, I mean, because Jesus is up there where people just think light and it shows up. Now he's got to wait till he sends the Holy Ghost for light to hit the planet. By the way, it can't come until he's gone. So he's got John, and John gets Jesus in the way the other 11 never did. We know 
Judas didn't get him because Judas stole him out. Because if he really got Jesus, he wouldn't have sold him out. But then Judas was of the devil. He was one of them pharaohs. I know we don't like to say that because, well, no, mm-mm. He was Cain. He was Balaam. And when he realized what he did, it was too late. He couldn't deal with the sorrow of betraying the only answer to his doomed soul. But see, you got to honey him up. Some of you all are like, Lord, I'll be there in a minute. And then you go past, Lord, I just can't. Lord, I just got this to do. I don't. Now, in the beginning, I got to tell you, because I did all of this with three kids, a husband, a church, a school, and an itinerant ministry, and I was writing books. So you recognize it was kind of a challenge. But I just sacrificed something. So what I sacrificed was sleep. I just said, well, God, meet you at 1130. And I did. And I met him every night. In the beginning, it was like, <laughs> but ultimately, he said, oh, she's going to keep coming? Then I'm going to keep showing up. So I kept coming. He kept showing up. And I would, would probably fall asleep somewhere between 4, 3, 30, 4 o'clock in the morning, get up at 7 to get my family off and get a nap and then go to work on what he had imparted to me all evening. Because I want him to, I, I told you, I want things for Jesus. You want things for your kids, for your families, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. I do. But I found the secret. And I found the secret like Solomon. Wise people find the secret. And the secret is, if I got Jesus, and if I, if I touched his heart, and if I embraced his soul, everything would be given to me. And I didn't waste time in his presence. Matter of fact, in the beginning, you know, you kind of, you know, we all got that kind of um, con thing because that's the flesh. So in the beginning, I was like, well, since I got his mind, let me take a list. He said, you don't need a list. He said, if I approve of you, everything you want will happen. So I stopped taking lists. So then I would go and I would say, whenever we had a crisis, I'd go with some, okay, God, I got some petitions. He said, I know. One day, I'll say this because my prophets are coming. They ought to be somewhere around. I don't know where they are, but they're coming on in. But one day, the thing that changed my life is that I, you know, I've had so many um, visits with God in his throne room, in his palace. So one day, I was with him, and he was, I was sitting in front of him, and he was, come on in, prophet. I was sitting in front of him, and Jesus was literally just, you know, we were talking and whatever. Because, you know, the, the, the grace of seeing him face, face to face is a real thing. So, Jesus, hello, P-I-T, Ma. Yeah, you're going to be Prophet Ma next month, aren't you? That's right. She's getting ordained at the tip this year at the Public Prophetic Training Institute. So, this is what happened. So, I'm in, I'm in heaven, and I mean it's glorious. And so, because he has different classes and rooms to turn on. So, I'm, I'm with him, and he's just talking, and he's telling me, um, all that's on his mind, and then all of a sudden, I realize the session is over, and I'm headed back to earth, and I'm going through all of these clouds and carrying on, and halfway through, I said, I forgot to ask him what I wanted to ask him, and I was all disappointed. Holy Ghost said, he knows. So he doesn't like it if we waste time, if I waste his time with the big thing. Lord, while I got you, Lord, while I have your attention, Lord, while I have your ear, I don't waste time. I just don't. We have 
but he has major things, and God knows that that time is not just for me. And I had to start treating it as if that time was for him. And so when I did, and then I, and then, you know, and I'll come back, and next thing I know, now I'm back into my world and, and, and doing what I do, and I come back, and he said, oh, by the way, this is going to happen, so-and-so is going to happen, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. The Holy Ghost is administrating that. And so he begins to tell me how it's going to work. And I tell you all this, I share this with you, because I need you to understand that we need to big up. We are adult children. Some of us have been with God 30, 40, 50, 60 years, and you still are monosyllables. Yay, nay, say, go, no, the end. That is the height of it. And some of you all, you have the baptism of the Holy Ghost 25, 30 years ago, and you're still at mama. <laughs> If you did that, you'd never have a job. I know. You'd be on the Holy Ghost spectrum, you know. Are you kidding me? Your tongues are supposed to grow up because the more God imparts into you. Anybody hurt? Give me a sugar punch. Give me a sugar punch. So I just want you to know, Papa Sally, you're going to take this seat right here. Oh, she is coming? Oh, okay, because I well, she can take that seat. She, oh, we'll take that one. That one over there. Hey, we need to have folks understand. We're going to discuss our sovereign. I don't just reverence God because he's God. I found out by being intimate with him that he's worthy of reverence, and that real intimacy with God compels reverence. Doesn't it? It compels reverence. So I'm really, I'm telling you, because I want you all to understand that this is not a place thing for me. When God is a person, then you have testimonies like this, you have witnesses like this, sentiments like this. Is that right? Oh, yeah. When God's a person. But when he's an icon, you have the same old rehash story. Because icons are printed, they're imprinted, and they're locked in the moment. So all you do is keep reliving the moment or the moment that you decided to rub. So, D-I-T, what? <laughs> right. What can I say? I think some of the things that you really awakened us today is that whole concept. I love you, Jesus. I want to be with you, Jesus. But what do you say to it when we say that and we just want to sit at his feet all day? Well, I, well obviously I haven't. Yeah. God tells me go to work. Okay, we, I told you, while I was having a wonderful time in glory, he sent me back home. So I, I couldn't even treat that as if it was a, okay, this is your time to know. Go back. What did you do with John? Fill John with the apocalypse. He said, now go back to work. Because God never impotent. And God never balanced. And see, when you are when you deal with the true and living God, you come back with position, purpose, performance. Ah, look who's coming. Come on around. You got a chance. Nah, uh-uh, I got team. I love it. So God is, is powerful. So whatever God gives you, being with God for a brief time is always inseminating because God is always impregnating. 
And as you as you take your <laughs> I know. As you take your seat, my blessed beloved daughter. <laughs> and so when people say that, that's my attitude. My attitude is if you were really with God, you'd be busy, not bored. <laughs> if you're bored you're with another God, or you are your God. Because when you are with God, when you've been with God, what did they say about the apostles? We could tell that they've been with God. They weren't sitting around in a prayer circle. They were making things happen for God on earth. <laughs> Wasn't that good? Oh, yeah. How about you? Oh. I'm not. <laughs> She's like, I'm so torn. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, even the subject of being able to understand that relationship that you have with God, because we sit and we hear you call him sugar, uh-huh. but to break it down like you did and give us the understanding that what you do, I mean, you sit in there and you talk to him, but you don't go, God, God, go, 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 go. Oh, no, I mean, you really go into talking about what he wants, and mm-hmm. you're not in there to give him everything that you want, even though that may be in the conversation, but you're finding out those things that he wants, and you're giving time, giving him time to mm-hmm. speak, giving him time to go deeper mm-hmm. into you. So I believe that this, being able to describe it this way, is going to probably cause all of us to run to him. I know it may take you. I know. I know. We're we're going to be running to him even more so. And me being a wife and having a husband and family and all of this that goes Mm -hmm. on, you know, it is at times where you think, okay, I need to pull away, everybody, leave me alone. But then there's those 11 o'clock hours, midnight Mm -hmm. hour, that you have time with Jesus that you need to know that he he likes that time too where he'll still be there for you because you gave him first him down at the bottom changed. I mean, um, since day one, I mean, you know, from the time we were kids, all, you know, growing up to now, I used to always tell people that you personified God so, you know, um, animatedly mm-hmm. that I used to think, oh, he's in the house. And I, used to, I mean, as a kid, I used to like, yeah. you know, oh, my God, he, I'm, he's coming. I don't know. Like, I'm going to be in trouble because you, you just always thought he was right there. Because we talked about him in every conversation like he was another person in the room. So it was not uncommon to kind of have those kind of interactions. And I used to tell people all the time, I didn't really grow up with the whole religious thing, so I didn't know that until I got to ORU, that people actually did religious things for Christianity. Um, and I was like, whoa, okay. Because in our house, we just kind of like, God was just kind of like a person. So, you know, if you wanted something, you did it. If you wanted something, you asked them. You know, that's how it was. So I didn't know that there was a whole structure around Mm -hmm. it. I was like, oh, there's a whole structure around hearing God's voice, having a relationship with it. I think I almost fell out dead the first time someone told me when I was 19 at this time that they never heard the voice of God. (gasps) 
I think I almost had a, you know, blacked out the most. Said, you never, <laughs> like in your whole life? Oh, you know, I was, yeah. they was like telling me like Santa Claus wasn't real. It was like, what in your whole entire life? You never, ever, never, ever, never. You know, so I was kind of like that, and they were like, no, like, what are you talking about? I mean, I'm like, so then what do you do as a Christian? Like, it's a mind, it was <laughs> So it was kind of like, okay, what made you a Christian is the fact that God was in your home, he was in your life, and he didn't show up to breakfast, too, and stuff. So, so it was kind of like, I didn't know. And so I, got out that, I was like, whoa, so, like, y'all don't really do anything with Christ from, you know, Sunday to Sunday? So that was a real uh, shocker for me and a, a real awakening moment. And then that's when I thought when I was uh, in my first year of college, I said, but, you know, if I didn't have that, I don't think I'd stay safe. If I did it the way the, the traditionalists have where they just kind of you go to church and, mm-hmm. you know, do the, I don't think I would stay. I wouldn't have made it. Mm-hmm. I'd have been like, well, this is over. I'm like, because I don't really know why we're doing this. And if, just go to places and hear people talk. I think that that would have been, you know, because that, that wasn't even our church experience. places to hear people talk. <laughs> <laughs> That wasn't even our church experience because God was so vibrant in church, too. So I just thought everybody's church was like that. Everybody's house was like that. And so it was really, I think, I think Christianity became odd when I actually met the public. But you're telling me, when you meet the public, they're going to mess with Jesus. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? <laughs> I think it's the same way. But uh, for me, it became, when I was older, I recognized how long he had been speaking. Mm-hmm. And you and I talked about that one time as when I came into the church to learn how to serve him. Because mm-hmm. I'm hearing him and I'm doing all these things. And then I get into the church and I'm like, no, no, no. No, baby. No, no, no. no, no we don't see him. We don't mm-hmm. hear him. Mm-hmm. And that was. We don't want to do that to Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and that became a big thing. I know. I mean, I'm yeah, I was too. I There's some things that would be brought back to me, but that was God. I'm like, really? And I gave it up. <laughs> <laughs> and I know a lot of people Destiny is a value. 
God is hot on destiny because destiny is his word effectuating itself in human flesh. And then that word incarnate enters the world to produce or generate something. So that's a big deal to God. If you want to know those are the things that he wants, uh, like I said, reproduction, family, God loves family, but it's way down the list because we got in this mess. Because of a family. The first family brought us to where we are. So when people say family first, God say go back to Eden. See how that turned out. And so the enemy needs family first because it makes people subjugate God to the family, which means he gets priority. If family first prioritizes the flesh, Satan likes to work the flesh. So he loved that. In other, instead of God first and God determining when it is, uh, there were times that there were things that she wanted to do or my children wanted to do, and I was like, no, 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 that's not God. And Holy Ghost said, no, no, because I taught them that even I was subject to the word of God in our house and that my husband was subject to the word of God. So God countermanded me a lot because he said, no, you're operating out of fear. I got this. You're preventing them out of fear or out of your own embarrassment or out of your own shame. I need you to understand those are not good reasons to impose fear on your kids. So they had one fear, fear of God. Everything else will let God handle. So another thing that God really wants is he loves community. He Mm -hmm. loves uh, neighborhood. He said he created the earth to be inhabited. He loves fellowship and the brotherhood. And, of course, it goes without saying almost that he he loves the, the ecclesia is important to him. Righteousness. God said he loves righteousness. We have in Proverbs the six things that God hates. Those are all popular in media. They're all popular in arts and entertainment. All six of those are what Satan used and put money and backing behind because he knew if God hated them, God would have to judge them. And if God had to judge them, judgment meant that they would have to be sentenced to destruction. Ah. That's replete. That fine lesson was replete with so many implications because we don't understand, you know, how much, uh, how how um, cagey Satan's agenda really is mm-hmm. when it comes to trapping a soul. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Because he treats us like a hunter. And you know, when you're talking about trapping a soul, setting up all of your appetites, setting mm-hmm. up all of those things so that he can trap your soul and and literally, like you said sentence you to judgment because he knows what that means. And, and you can prove that biblically by Moses mm-hmm. because he so knew he got Moses because he hit that rock. Mm-hmm. When that brother died, that brother was right there. He was like, I want you. I want you. That's a great example. And he was so convinced that his trap had worked that he took down God's greatest prophet in the planet. And, and brother was like, oh, hold, hold, hold on. But there was no rebuke you. And I thought it was so amazing mm-hmm. to have that in there because a lot of times people don't often, you know, think mm-hmm. that that's true or there's biblical precedence for half of what we, we say. But yeah. how about peers? Yeah. Satan has desired you. Yeah. He yeah. you as weak. But I have prayed for you. I didn't deny him. Didn't deny him his request. I granted his request. But I prayed for you mm-hmm. that your faith fail not. Yeah. And he, when you are converted, see, the church isn't converted because they didn't pass Satan's test. Nope. He said, strengthen your, your brother. brother. So you think about it. He set Peter up with appetite. Oh, 
was uh, man, that was great. See, but we did offspring. Yeah, Holly. <laughs> but I think that that was offspring. Holly, you're so offspring. Yeah, I got, I got you. I got you in all over the world. And you know what? We treat our king right, and we treat him with the reverence and the glory and the preeminence he deserves as the supreme being. I told you, we gonna, you're going to walk with Paula Price, you're going to treat Jesus Christ right. But you are so powerful about treating God right, because you just said it very, as you do, um, very, um, you know, I don't want to say flippantly because it wasn't flip, but, you know, kind of wittingly right mm-hmm. now, um, in this moment that Peter's issue was that he savored the things of the world. And when you look at why the church can't convert, is because we really do prize those things in the world. Mm-hmm. What I enjoy about being with you that kind of re-anchors you, because God, I realize he puts those anchors in every generation so that those that want to return to him, mm-hmm. those that want to stay true to him, that there's always a fleshly representation of mm-hmm. that. It does. When you look at all of our heroes of the faith, it doesn't matter. There's always a representation in every, I mean, yeah. Israel is going straight off evil. They got Isaiah. <laughs> they're going straight off. They got Ezra. Ezra with you, Ezekiel out in the brush in Babylon. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's always Daniel sitting in the highest seat, mm-hmm. okay, but there's always a fleshly representation that can draw you back. And so I love that about you because uh, you will always put God above this world yep. in every way. Yep. The world can't say nothing. They can't do nothing. They can't preach nothing. Mm-hmm. They can't throw nothing. Is it true? They can't throw nothing in your pa- I, I ain't a person. I don't care. They, they ain't got nothing to do with you. I, mm-hmm. They ain't better than this clown. They ain't better than with you. They ain't better with you. So, and you don't ever think about that that fundamental attitude is what keeps you from falling into the pride of life because you can literally prize things in this world so much. Oh, my gosh, look at Oprah. She's successful. She's made it. I mean, I know she ain't Christian, but she got things that she can tell us about what? How to make it in this world? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I never thought about though, that reality about how, how sophisticated the whole process is that keeps you, your soul mm-hmm. so attached to this, but you complete, it's complete detachment. We're sitting in business meetings with people, I promise you, who are not saying, who can care less about Jesus Christ. <laughs> well, I'm an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ, so Chasing this, 
and then you're going to shame Jesus Christ. And you taught us that how many ways we shame Christianity for doing the same things that the world is doing exactly. to make it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. To make it. Like, that's what they're doing to keep themselves successful. Mm-hmm. But when we want to do that for Jesus Christ, that's a shame. In fact, I just dealt with that with a client. They were really struggling. They said, well, you know, I'm just really struggling about the fact that I'm supposed to be believing in Jesus Christ, and I'm supposed to be the one that's a Christian and have all that, and I don't have money right now, and I'm broke, and I'm poor, and the rest of these people who do, you know, they don't have money. I mean, they have money, and they have jobs and things, and I'm supposed to be representing Jesus Christ. I'm like, you almost want to go, uh, 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 uh. Because it's the shaming thing. Because if, well, if, if Jesus is all about cash, then you don't have a reason to choose Jesus or faith. Because I said, everybody's broke. I said, excuse me, can I, just bring, can I just bring things into perspective? I said, so you're talking about people who are judging you right now, who are fighting to keep their businesses, who don't have a dime in the bank? Who are struggling? So they're not doing no better than us. And I'm like, and so you're ashamed because they're going through the same mm-hmm. thing you are. Uh, uh, but I think that I think you should do a whole book, a whole movie. Maybe we could do a whole. Maybe Johnny can make a of shirt. Course. But it's about shaming. Yeah, Johnny can make a shirt. Don't tell Johnny to make a. We don't have shirts on Sunday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we gonna have shirts. We got free bread. We got some. And then we don't be ashamed. And you don't even know what it means to be ashamed of the gospel because when you begin to break it down into those nano things, I'm thinking, oh, it worked. I was ashamed. I didn't even think about it because I'm such a brazen Christian, but I didn't think in that moment that by even making that statement about the church, by criticizing other people, by criticizing people who speak out in the faith, that's a shame. Or criticizing God because he didn't save somebody's kid who hated him. Or a rap star who spent his life hating him and gets killed in a treacherous way, and somehow we got to go ask God why that happened. I'm like, ask him Yes, right. It's true. 
all of them together. And I think that just those kind of things that we didn't even know. Someone actually said this to me, um, and uh, I think it's something that's true. And I think you echoed it a little bit, and so did uh, uh, Sonia, that they didn't even know that you could speak to God that way. Yeah. Because we put him in such a religious system that when we said, I say basic things about how God speaks to me. I said, oh, yeah, God told me the other day, I didn't need to wear that again because that didn't really look that great on me. Like, and don't you, you, know, you know, know, they said, God would fake, waste time to tell you, but I said, well, why not? He's my father. He tells me about everything mm-hmm. from sun up to sundown. The truth about his word, the truth about life, the truth about us. I said, so, and you told me that from the beginning that it wasn't unusual Mm-mm. that God has that kind of relationship with you. So uh, a lot of people don't know that they're hearing the voice of God mm-hmm. talk to them because they've been taught that it's only going to be about religious things. They're calling their prayer life a prophetic word, a calamity, a prophetic word that's going to come out of nowhere to kind of lead and guide them. But they, how can you help the people who have been ignoring his voice that he's been trying to, to you know, send these overtures of wanting this mm-hmm. dynamic with them, but they're doing this because they've been taught, oh, this is the only thing that God ever talked to you about mm-hmm. if he indeed if he ever talks. Well, the first thing I would say, to all of you who are in that place is go back and repent because you put the commandments of men over the Almighty. You didn't intend to, but like she said, we go to church, the church is going to get Jesus out of you or it's going to get Jesus stronger in you. But there's no middle ground in the church. So you need to know that. So the first thing I would say is that you would repent. The second thing I would say is that you begin to nurture the 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 Lord opening those channels because every time God and I moved up, I got a new channel. And then I went on a new frequency. So it takes, I like what you said, it takes a good time, a good decade to you for you to become physiologically capable. Your spirit is ready. Your soul is trying. But your body has got to be physiologically attuned to God. So that's the next thing. Next thing I would tell you is read God's word. Because first, before God starts talking off script, he, he requires you to be on script. And so he requires you to know him so that you can discern his voice and his thoughts from all of the other voices out there. Because Paul said there are many sounds in the world. So that's the next thing. Then I would tell you that I would, what I did with the Lord is this. I say, God, I know this is what you wrote. I know that's what you teach. I've studied your word. I stay in the word because I love it. So I don't have a problem with God's word. It's his script. And so I need to understand the scriptures are his language. God talks scripture. So that's his native tongue, scripture, what I said, what he offered. So I told him all the time, Jesus, please be yourself with me. I will grow up. I will adjust. If I cry, I will get me some Kleenex and I'll be back. But be yourself with me. Do not feel that you have to restrain yourself because of my frailty. Restrain yourself because of my, my mortality. I don't want you to restrain yourself. I want you to stay what's on your mind. Matter of fact, it cracks me up just to let you know that he's a real person. Like, we'll be in the airport, and we're there, and things are going by. He said, see, isn't that stupid? <laughs> he said, I gave my blood for that. And I said, I will watch a show. You know who kill it. Sometimes he's like the spoiler alert. Exactly. He's the spoiler alert. And you know what? And he's right. He knows I'm not going to be able to finish the movie because i got to go up and do something. Exactly. So he'll say, yeah. yeah, well, you know so-and-so. Other times he'll say, who you think did it? Because he's always developing my mind. Mm-hmm. And he's always developing my abilities. So he'll say, so who did it? I said, so-and-so. He said, how do you know? And I would tell him. He said, mm-hmm. right. Because what did he say to Amos? What do you see? Mm-hmm. I'm not telling you. Stuff that's not in scripture, just because you don't read the Bible, you don't get the best of God. So you keep getting those, those Jesus bits. See, so 
Jesus bit from them scripture clippings. That's why you don't know what's going on. But see, I take him at his word, and I don't just read it. You know, I get mad. What do you do? Because I take him at his word because I tra- I'm an author. And I know how it is to be an author, and people change your thoughts and change your words and say it means something. But this is how I see you. How do you personify what somebody else decided to put in print? You can't get in my mind and change my thoughts. So you change my script. You change my text. So I let him do it. I want God. I keep telling him. I tell God three things. God, be yourself. Mm-hmm. That's what I tell him. Be who you are. I need to learn you. How are you going to learn all the fullness of God if you keep restraining him? I said, and God... Speak your mind. And so I do. And then I tell God, because I really love saying this to him, I said, and God, show off. Show off. Don't just show yourself. Show off. Flex your muscles. Do what you want. If you want to take down a tree, we'll get a farm. Because, see, we want God to show off on the things we approve, like he needs our approval. Yeah. But I'm going to ask you to jump in. I know, that's real. Say it. Some of my questions. Some of my thoughts with that is this is helping us to know how to approach him mm-hmm. in person. Right. But yet with a reverence. Yeah. Uh, you yeah. reminded us it's not about showing off with what I want, mm-hmm. but showing up with what you need. You talked about that. You could be difficult. You can't, you're and he difficult. can tell you some things you don't want to hear. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> what do you do? This is another one. When you do have God's leaders, tell you some things, and all of a sudden you don't want to be with him anymore. What's going on there, Dr. So are you talking about the leader saying the right thing? Yes. Sort of, okay. Because I'm okay. to deal with the hardness of the word, because there is hardness in the training and the breaking through. Mm-hmm. What happens in those times, you just want to get up and say, well, I'm out of here. And it is mm-hmm. a structural change because it's not as easy in the gentleman that we thought he was. No, but God's not easy because, again, we're, we're frail. Mm-hmm. We're mortal. Mm-hmm. We're tender. Mm-hmm. We're actually soft. And he says, he said, you, you, you too soft, you know. And so that's, he's not. But God has, God is such a loving God. His compassion is he will let you wander in the wilderness until you rest. Mm-hmm. And he'll let the wilderness teach you. <laughs> Won't it? Israel went around that wilderness. <laughs> Repeating the same mistakes until finally the generation that, would, that they birthed, they begot, who could take God. Strength is the one he let take Jericho. So a lot of, like today, I will say to you today, you know, people are talking about our millennials and, you know, whatever, but the millennials can be the ones that take Jericho. If they're trained, if they're developed, if they're educated, because we God needs those that did not eat Egypt's food. You know, I have a CD, a teaching called Man of Babies. Oh, good. I want everybody, if under the sound of my voice, I want you to order, man, get Man of Babies. I think it might be a download. You know, I don't know. We'll find it. Rachel said we got it. But Man of Babies, and I, I want you to listen to it over and over again because what we call the Joshua generation is not the Joshua generation. It's the post-Joshua generation. Because the Joshua generation that died out, when Joshua died, those are the ones that left God. But the, but the real Joshua generation is not the boldness. When I say they're not, let me go back and correct that. They're the, they're, this Joshua generation that God calls the Joshua generation of those who never tasted the world. Mm-hmm. Or those who have cut 
ties with the world. Joshua generation, the oh. reason they could oh. take Jericho. Oh, I got to hit, hit that, baby. Okay. We got to keep everybody engaged. See, the real Joshua generation are the manna babies. These are the babies that ate only manna. They did not, and now you have people who cheated, but the manna babies only ate manna. When their, when their parents conceived that womb, fed them manna. When that mama was nursing them, milk was manna. These are manna babies. They had, it took three years for mortality to take over again when they left because they were manna babies. They did nothing but eat from the, of the angels' food. And the same food that made the angels what they were is what they ate. That's why Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Your father ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. They died because it didn't do away with their mortality. It superseded it. But the mat, but Jesus said, but the manna that I give you will give you eternal life. You cannot die, which means you will never, ever go to hell. When they talked about the argument with, with John about, well, you know, you shall not see death, mm-hmm. that's what he meant. He wasn't talking about people wouldn't die. He said you will not see the realm of the dead. Like Moses. Like Moses. You're going to die, but my yeah. angels are going to be there to take you mm-hmm. before Satan pulls you. Mm-hmm. See, but you gotta, you see, you gotta deal with the person. See, when people talk to me as the author of the prophet's dictionary, oh, yeah. or the author of any of my works, they get a whole different side of me than the folk who read it and tell me what they got from it. Mm-hmm. Right. I say, well, okay, run with that. Mm-hmm. How about you? We haven't heard from you. Well, I was thinking back on what you talked about a few minutes ago again about your relationship, and I remember the Lord brought it back to me a few minutes ago, about 15 years ago when I met you. You were talking, I love him, he's my sugar dent. Mm-hmm. And back then I thought, well, that is such a good word. You <laughs> said sugar dent. <laughs> no, this is, no, this is funny. This is really good. <laughs> yeah, when you use those sugar words. So I started trying to use sugar, and I said, "Sugar, you just so sugar, you my sugar." I wasn't, I wasn't even saying it like her, but I thought it was cute. And then the Lord said, "Well, if I'm your sugar, why is it you don't give me what I want? And if I'm your sugar, why don't you treat me like I want you to treat me? And why do you go and do what you need to go repent for, right? <laughs> because most people that call people sugar don't treat them like this." Mm-hmm. And I said, "Well." I didn't think that was so bad what I did, so I tried to talk him out of what he was trying to tell me. But I learned from that, and I think God brought it back to me because I think sometimes relationships, people hear this, and they'll go apply it like mm-hmm. in a few minutes mm-hmm. after the show is over, mm-hmm. and they'll say, well, let me go call him sugar. Let me do what she said. They'll take the list. This is what messed up, mm-hmm. you know, evangelistically, uh, mm-hmm. evangelically, where people just took every list mm-hmm. and applied it and put it to work. Right. Mm-hmm. And said so that's how we need to deal with life, only to find out what you said a few minutes ago. There are there's things that God takes you through for decades yeah. before you can really, really have that relationship built. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it's like, okay, I've gotten past the sugar. I can say that he likes it. But there are uh, and then he likes it. I like that. And he likes it. Oh, my God. No review. You got the no review sugar. But I have learned from what you said today, there are some other things that I need to get tighter in my relationship with God mm-hmm. and know that that is going to take a walk of, of walking through that. But I want to taste that relationship. I watched Dr. Bright, y'all. 
like 24-7. Even when I'm not with her, I can see <laughs> and I'm thinking, she's at home right now, all up in his face. Yes, so I remember those words that she says, and I'm like, I'm going to do it too. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's like you hunger to get to that place with God where you can have that relationship. And it doesn't have to be our Father, which is our name, yeah. hallowed be thy name. I mean, it really is. Jesus, and it doesn't have to be daddy, mm-hmm. you know, because we got through that, we had to go through that thing. Daddy, yeah. daddy, 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 but it's really well, talking to him as Lord God, Jesus, my best friend, yes, but also my rebuker, yeah. sovereign God that is going to tell me something I didn't like, and you can sit up under that and be nurtured by him, by him coming back to tell you that's relationship, that's mm. relationship. So I, I have just grown just by listening to her. You know, people say they want to sit at her feet. Mm-hmm. I sit at her feet at my house. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, girl, while she at her house. Mm-hmm. Replay the tape, listen to what she said, and then I go to the Word and try to pull it out and let it work. Mm-hmm. Because it works for everybody. I think that we can't structure ourselves to go, this is a list of what you have to do. It's not a program. It's well, he's not. You know, he's not a program. And, that, and the thing that I want you to know, for those of you who need to know, I have moments where God has to correct me. But I already told him, God, be yourself. So he corrects me. So, and if I, there's times that he corrects me very rarely, maybe once every other year or so, but he'll correct me with something, and I'll say, for God, I just really think that something, uh-uh, no. This is what it is. Yeah. And when I get difficult with him, God quotes scripture. Oh, yeah. See, we, see, we have conversation oh, yeah. when we're in a good place. Oh, yeah. Now, he still is speaking as the author of the word. So he can't be anything less than what he is. But when he gets ticked off, you know, he be writing them scriptures like boom, da boom, da boom, da boom. I, re- I told you one of the most important lessons I learned from God is I said, well, you know, I was doing word of faith. You know, word of faith people said, remind him of what he says. And then, you know, go in and pick out a piece of scripture and do the list. And do the list. And then throw your Bible on the floor and stand on it, you know, because you, I mean, boy, we beat that Bible pretty bad. And then after that, you go ahead and exercise your authority as a believer and remind God of his word. And remind, so I, I was ready, baby. I was so excited. I listened to Bildo. I was good to go. Holy Ghost said, so I get the first one off my mouth. No, the first. I need to get to the standing on the mouth. I'm still waiting for that he said, I said, well, God, your word said, cut across me. He said, and I also said, unless you can quote my 66 books, you can't tell me what word I'm talking about. I said, oh. And he said, don't pick up their way. He said, because I'm not rearing you like that. And so I go, I don't know what to do, because I'm watching, baby. I was like, when he, and the way he said, he said, but I, also said, so you cannot pick a word and say you got your the word you pick is the thought I meant. I was like, ooh, Jesus. Now, so don't think that I don't have I don't have those moments or even something else I'm going to do. He'll start quoting me like when I when people start getting real real trendy, he said, walk not in the counsel of the ungodly. I said, ow, again. So there are times that he will just go Bible on me. I'm like, well, Jesus, are we having issues? Because I need to know. <laughs> we are tone changers. He steps back into his office. See, because God has a relational place with you, but he still has to occupy his office. And so he will step back in his office on you and say, I, I, I also said, 
and this is not true? Well, how many times did Jesus do it? That was his way. Jesus said, but it's not written. Have I not said? Did I not say? He said, you have heard it was said. You have heard it was said. You have heard it said. But then he comes up, he says, since I'm the author, but I said. And so he came often doing that, distinguishing what was popular doctrine and theory and what was, you know, the dogma of the, of the movement and of what the priest said and the rabbi said and all of those lessons. He said that. He said, but I'm called. He said, now they're called into a purpose. He said, but I'm calling you into my person. When, when these women and my other children, when they decided that they wanted to step out of purpose into the person that embodies that person, that purpose, then our relationship changed. Because there are a lot of times I'm not going to talk to you. I'm so glad that I am pushing I don't have to talk about nothing. I don't have to say anything. Do I have to say anything? I don't have to. I don't have to. It's written. Read a book. I got a bunch of them. Go read some. You know, I got a whole 66 books of my own. So come on, somebody. I don't have, I will not argue with people over stupid. I'm telling you because I'm getting older and it's useless. I'm trying to put together what I will be leaving behind for the kingdom and for the king to use. Everything I do. Everything that God gives me to do is so that I can have leave behinds that he can use. Because, see, God's got a lot of useless stuff leave behind, left behind. Some of that stuff, we should have, they should have been burnt with the curious art. My God. But he has some things that he wants to remain in the earth and to guide and govern his people and to guard them long after the author or founder has to. You can tell when God didn't like something from the beginning, he didn't let it last. Because let me tell you something, um, to me, man, I was like near death and death. Man, God, oh, kept, he, kept, he kept bringing a paddle. Clear. I'm done, Jesus. I'm telling you, Lord, this is the one. I'm out. God, don't even look for me. I'm telling you. I know you got but I'm out. And he said, uh-uh, no, you're not. I'm not finished. Why? Because God wants what he wants. And anything God wants to keep, he takes a long time to build. He makes it and he nurtures it like a, like, like a vineyard. He yeah. takes a long time to build. You look at all of the things in Scripture that lasted. They all took Moses 40 years in the wilderness to go and do what God wants for 40 years. Joshua, over a decade or two, with David, 20 years before he could even get to the throne. When you look at it, when this whole teaching of God using the young, that is not Bible. That's not Bible. That's, that's darkness. Because Satan has to sap you before God gets you, before God makes you. And it takes a lot of willpower to say, I'm going to take my time. When you look at the major things that God did, the people, Abraham, what, 100 years old? I mean, come on, somebody, 85 before God and he began to talk. Let's talk about Enoch. We're talking about him. 300 years. 300 years uh-huh. after 65. And we can go on down the line. Jesus Christ, we're talking about, well, Jesus, he was only so and so for 30, for, for three and a half years. Are you kidding? The man was in oblivion for 30 years mm. on a planet that wasn't his native home. Mm. He, I mean, so it's Jesus, 30 years, Paul. 14 years on the backside of Damascus after he did all of that. So there is nothing in Scripture to support the brevity of ministerial readiness. That's an evangelical concept. That's a pastoral concept. That's an academic concept. But God does not just educate. 
first, before he can educate, he excavates. That's all those losses and sorrows y'all don't like. You know, he excavates. Baby, he becomes, yeah, let me give you a chance because I know it's not going to be worth it when you see what I see. He excavates. He literally, he said to you, either you're going to fall on the stone or the stone's going to fall on you. My God. And one's going to give you a shot, the other is going to wipe you out. So you, he says, because if the stone falls on you, you're going to be crushed to powder. But if you fall on the stone, you're going to be broken, which means you can be repaired. So God, he doesn't, I mean, when we talk about that, it took, John was old when he got the apocalypse. Old. We keep, you got, you got scholars telling you that those prophets, those apostles were young when they started working with Jesus. No, they weren't. They had to be at least Jesus' age because he was making them. He was sitting them in the seat of the rabbi. So they weren't 14, 22, whatever. Peter had family, whole family, mother, mother-in-law, wife, grandfather, all of that. They had been in business for years before they met Jesus. Successful, Successful, powerful, wealthy businessmen. So a lot of that, all of that spontaneity, God calls that the temporality pre- preaching. That's, you know, you lock yourself in the brevity of life. Well, life is short, so you better get it before you're 30. Half of the people turn 30 and go crazy. They go out, drink, get drunk, go out, have accidents. Why? Because somebody told you that 30 is some magical number. Okay? 30 is the, is the, is the decade of beginning, not a statement on failure. Because it takes a long time to groom a soul. So from 30 to 40, you're building. From 40 to 50, you're ruling. From 50 to 60, you're celebrating. You're juggling. And from 60 to 70, you are dominating. I'm <laughs> So you can all cry about, I, I, I mean, I'm nearly 37 years old, and I got zip. Trust me, all of those people who got that stuff young, all you see is their material success. You don't see their souls. You don't see their lives. You don't see any of them. And when you do, you're surprised that their material attainment is all they got to offer the world. Because God goes for longevity because it takes longevity to earn legacy. So God, Almighty God, he wants to use it, and God wants to use you in your strength. And maturity is a strength. Immaturity is fragility. You're, it makes you flat. But when you are the more, because through your maturity, you become bold. You become knowledgeable. You understand your warfare. You understand your warriors. You understand your conquest. See, when you hit a certain age, if you've had enough wars, you, let me tell you something. They can't take you out. But these, you all are running around to do this. The first time you hit, you out. You can't cover your family because you're too weak. Either you're going to protect you or you're going to protect your family. You're going to protect your work or you're going to protect your family or your kingdom. So you get hit, you're out. So you, you're in a place where super demons show up and super devils show up, and you are not ready to be a hero. You become a slaughter. Which is why God lets you keep failing and failing and failing and failing until you realize it. God did that to Israel. And he told them, go fight. And then they come home, 30,000 people did. So, uh, Yahweh, when you told us to go to war, <laughs> what really did, you, did we go the wrong way? Did we fight the wrong war? I don't know. And he kept letting them fail because he wanted them to know that I'm making you formidable, but what you have to face off with to attain that formidable stature 
and what happens afterwards, you're not built strong enough. So they kept going to war with their own way. They kept going to war. They never took time to build an army. They just kept going with That's why we talk about Israel today. They're like, no, no, we understand war now. Don't mess with us. Our dogs and cats war. Honey, the animals can take you out because of a history. They are a legacy. They went that longevity, made them the legacy that God can count on. I mean, Israel has had so many people try to come against them, and they've been down be like, okay, come up, warriors up. Everybody got to act like they can preserve the land. In our country, we don't care because America's on the block. So on the chopping block. But in Israel, everybody has to preserve the land. You don't, there's no such thing that they don't say, well, so you have to recognize that if you like youth, then you like incompetence, you like unrightness. Because I don't care how brilliant they are, the soul takes a long time to grow and a lot to, it's a lot to acquire it. So even though their talent can impress you, mm-hmm. hallelujah, their immaturity can destroy you. Because their thoughts thoughts they never had, because you come experience, let's get real. Wisdom takes time, and experience takes time. So, and you can't learn from what you have never experienced. You cannot learn from what I can read about. No, you can read about it and imitate it, but you cannot psychologically or soulologically process that and deflect it. And there, sometimes God's going to make you fail so you can learn how to come back, so you can learn how to rebuild. He's going to make you, he's going to send some hard forces against you. They're going to be, you're like, do you like me? Do you like what I do? You better than quit. No, don't quit. I approve of you. Really? Where's that? That's what it's about. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. Well, really? Because I'm thinking you don't like me. I'm convinced you don't like I think that I'm like an astronaut. Did you just put me in ministry? Mid, early to mid he said, I can't use you because you don't approve of me. Ooh. Ooh. 
you don't think I'm doing it right. And if you don't think I'm doing it right for you, then what makes you think, how do you prove that I'm doing it right for other people? And if you think that I, if I'm not worthy of your approval, then why would I use you when you disagree with me? He said, one time he said a lot of saints, I don't use them because they don't like me. He said, just dislike me. He said, they think I'm not a person, then I don't feel their dislike. He said, there are a lot of people who love me but don't like me. They don't like my ways. They don't like my way of life. And so I had to, you know, that's why I said, let him say what he said. Because a lot of times you're not getting answers to God because you want to edit him and redact him. He's like, I can tell you what the problem is, but do you want to hear it? <laughs> do you want to hear the problem? Or do you just want to be right? Or do you just want to have your way? He said, I do not do anything with tantrums, but chasing them. And every time you don't like what God says, see, that's what I'm talking about. See, this is, you always do that. And then I'm not, and see, that's what I mean. How are you going to be my God? And how are you going to do that? People are going to think that. See, and you're always telling them, see. The man gave sight to the blind. I think he got seen in cover. Oh. <laughs> I'm convinced he got seen in <laughs> See, because you need to rebuke him, you are out of order. You are insubordinate. And you're out of order. Because you are supposed to be under God. God's the superior. That's why they call him supreme being. And so you are upset because you took your little, it's like your, how your kids do. Kids bring your mud pies and get mad because you don't eat them. See, mommy? See? Mud pies. And I'm angry because you don't eat them. Because they don't know what they bring you is worthless and valueless and dangerous. So God's got to wait till you can bring him a gourmet meal. The right sacrifice on his altar. The right gift. See, those are the things that I had to learn. As people, I mean, our people said horrible things about me. They discredit me publicly, privately, all loud, all whatever. And you know what? I went home. See, I, got, I studied your truth. I did this. And look, he said, first of all, if you're righteous, you're righteous for yourself. See, we went to scripture. The man went to scripture. I said, Oh Lord, we're in scripture. Even now when he goes, Oh Jesus, we in the word. Now he's not talking as the author and finisher of my faith. He's talking about the author of the word that will judge me in the end. Did you want to say something? You got a little bit of time. She said, I ain't got nothing. I don't know. You know, some of what we've talked about before because part of it is mm-hmm. that soul piece. Oh, yeah. this is, okay, first of all, let me just tell you, hold it up, ladies. No matter what happens, you're going to hear three days from TRC Mom. <laughs> it's in there some way. You know she has a show on Mondays, Mental Health Mondays with Mark. Baby, this is her thing. But this right here, because some of you, like me, heard some of the things Dr. Price shared. And you're like, God, I want that. I, I really want it. Mm-hmm. And don't realize that that weakness of the soul comes from core soul issues. Yes. And so when I put it up, I'm like, you didn't know me like this. Because when I read the prophet uh, handbook many years ago, I thought, who likes this? Who are they like it? When I met her, I said, okay. <laughs> you know, she gives you instruction, but she also talks about how to work with the soul issues, which is the excavation, the hardness that you walk through. Mm-hmm. But at the end of that, 
the restoration God gets out of you. So that's one of the most, you know, we got a course and we have several things. Biblical psychology, understanding why you make the decisions you do. You say one thing to God about loving you, but recognizing there's a wall between you and the Lord. Mm -hmm. And this is the the stuff that Dr. Price has out there as a solologist Mm -hmm. to help us with that. So you did it. How about you? Oh, my. Uh, you said so many things. I got 85 revelations. I just say replay. <laughs> you know, if you are in that place of God of wondering where you are, where is he, purpose, destiny, I'm lost, I'm wandering, wilderness, uh, trying to figure out how to get him to respond or talk back and all of this, I feel like that this was kind of a clinical um, show today mm. to kind of address a lot of those relational enemy, uh, uh, in, intimacy rather mm-hmm. issues uh, that we do have because you can have intimacy issues with God, you know mm-hmm. what I mean, yeah. um, and really struggle and, and, and intimacy issues with you and you don't recognize that. Mm-hmm. I, I, in fact, I met a poor young lady in the airport, couldn't get God to talk. I mean, and that is um, found out we were prophets and then, you know, of course, they unload, mm-hmm. you know, to tell you all the things that are happening because God's not talking, God's not moving, God's not whatever, and don't know basic things that he wants Mm -hmm. because to her well I I did all my rituals and that's Mm -hmm. literally she said I fasted I prayed I tithed I sought I read my Bible did all of my rituals what no response you know and I heard a a, a famous preacher say one time that God's like a coke machine Mm -hmm. you just put in your money press the button you'll get what you want out of it Mm -hmm. and and although we would to hear it said like that we were like what that is outrageous I would never do that but in mentality, we do kind of do that by saying, I did all this, I tithe, I go to church, I do this. So you're still kind of putting money in that Coke machine and expecting, hello, perform for me, Lord. You know, do this for me, Lord. And they did it to Jesus. Jesus ain't got no sign for you, you know, because he was a person. And I think that today is a very good clinical um, uh, show for you to go back and kind of review your relationship with God and try to find a way to heal those areas, uh, you know, because even in a relationship, I mean, you and I, okay, mother-daughter, we have to be mother-daughter, you know, she's CEO, COO, and then it's chief apostle, chief prophet. So you see all those different dimensions in relationships, and we move in and out of them a lot. And so there are times that we could be working well at business, but at home, she don't want to have to deal with me, okay? And so, yeah, but the reality is you can still have this ongoing connection with God, and there still be issues in the relationship, So when we are having issues in our relationship in the natural, we just avoid those subjects and topics until it comes to a place where we have to confront and Mm -hmm. deal with it or we're both ready to get this out of the relationship. And it's the same thing with the Lord Jesus Christ Mm -hmm. because he can show up and you feel warm, fuzzy at church, and you think, oh, it's okay, we're back. You go home. cold as ice. And it's silent (laughs) because of what's there. Mm -hmm. I love that. That's (laughs) great. Great rap. You did a great job with that. And, and so I would like to say to all of you all, you know, one of the things that she didn't tell you about that airport incident was that the woman was in an ungodly relationship. Yeah, she was shacking. And she so. was shacking. If you shacking, don't think I was going to come when you are literally abusing the institution, institution that's near and dear to us on. The church is the bride of Christ, the wife of God. God is not taking Satan's family and shacking with them. So you want God to talk to you when you're every day letting him know that you could care less. And if he brought you into his world, you would contaminate it. Could you post it for us? It's 3D, the of success, a soul restoration plan to take your life from distress to success. So we're going to post the link. Post it for us. Post the link from PPMG. Another one of her 66 books. Yes. Yeah, I got, I got, yeah, I do. And so I want you to understand that don't go to God if you have not cleaned up your life. Because in Scripture, 
Every time God's ready to step out of the shadows and step out of anonymity to present himself to his people, he said, clean yourself up. He said, wash your clothes. So you, some of you need to wash your robe because they're not righteous. You got a lot of stain on the world of the world. He said you need to do that. You need to put away your idols. You know, I don't have idols. Yes, you do, especially if you shack and you already got an idol. You roll it over to it every day. That's an idol, okay? And so, um, you know, and then if you are and if you are living in an immoral relationship or if you have, if you're an adulterer, you're going to have to cut it off. See, because sometimes we need to say these things. Because, see, to you, to, to the law, adultery is an offense. But to the government of creation, it's, a, it's an adultery. And if you are, and, and anybody who commits adultery in the flesh is an adulterer in the spirit, which means when you die, you're going to try to go and do stuff in God's realm that they don't permit. And you, you, you could see right now, you're just living for comfort. Well, he's just meeting my bills. Well, she's just meeting my needs. That's fine, but that's supposed to be Jesus' role. And you put your immoral relationship in his place and assign his covenant responsibilities and promises to a failed union. So you have to understand that. So if that's you, you're going to need to tell them you got to go. With Dr. Price, you can't tell me to tell a man to go because, after all, who's going to pay my bills? Baby girl, you should have been paying your own bills anyhow. And if you are sitting there flipping your butt for some rent, shame on you. Shame on you. you got a long way to go. Did I say that wrong? Okay. okay. So I want you to understand that. So you need to do that. If, you, if you're cheating on your job, if you are committing crime, if you're doing drugs, well, you know, God said he loves me as I am. Just because God loves you as, he, as you are doesn't mean he wants to live with you that way. So where God wants to love, what God loves, and where he wants to live, two different things. There's a reason why God was on my life. Well, there's a reason why he's not here with us right now. Because he don't want to live with us like that. But he does want to get us ready to live with him. So if you're on drugs, I need you to get, come on, this here book right here. And she does, we got people here who can do the addiction right here. You just call us up. We got it. Because you know what? Everybody going phone and, and show now. Phone and Facebook. So we're doing that. But I want you to understand, so you need to give that up. If you have angst in your heart, if you are a violent person, if you have a hot temper and you're proud of it, because most people are proud of having a hot temper because they think it's kind of like the alarm system and the, the, the pushback system or the guardianship that keeps people from irritating them, hurting your feelings. So you need to fix that up because you all ask me, what are some of the things? So you need to do that. If you have a broken promise, if you owe God money because you don't tithe, if you tore up a minister's church because he, cause God will stop talking. When you tear up something that God loves, he stops talking to you, and he backs up. He pushed back. So if you're doing it, if you are dealing with rituals, some of y'all are in yoga. God's not going to talk to you. I don't care what the devil tells you God talks through yoga. I'm telling you he's not because yoga is not only cursed because, because it's not in the church. It's cursed because it's an invention of Satan. And God didn't do that. He and God doesn't need yoga. He didn't tell you to dump your mind to find him. He said meditate on my word, not meditate on blank, blank owns. So... I just want you to understand. So some of you all, God's not going to, I don't care. Well, I don't care. If somebody talks to you, you heard a voice. You can't say it's God. Because the first thing God's going to tell you if you approach him and you are involved in yoga, he's going to tell you, get that out of here because I hate that accursed thing in my face. Mm. So you can't. So, mm-hmm. it was, he, it's Satan invented that. God doesn't want anything Satan made. He told you that. He said, because God calls them all lies. So. And, you know, his institution is the institution of lies, 
So Satan, is, you know, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. Then Satan is the curse, the lie, and the hell. Mm-hmm. So you need to understand that. So because we keep, you keep acting like he's equal to Jesus Christ. And so that's it. You need to check your theology because if you, if you have a belief system or belief infrastructure that is contrary to truth, God cannot lie. And he will not approve or nurse a lie. Mm. And some of the things that you want him to do, you all want him to nurse your lies like a bad drink. He's not doing it. So guess what? I'm sorry. <laughs> it's time. It's time. It is time. I got two minutes. If you truly enjoyed this, if you appreciated this, and uh, it, so, you know, share, 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 share. You can do that right away. And so, 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 so. Yeah. You have to recognize that you, who tune into me weekly on the Jesus and Father Show, yeah. yes, my honeyman. Now, when you hear me say, honey, man, you'll be all right. I don't want your, none of you theologians don't write me stupid about loving the Lord more than I love you, because that's the way it's supposed to be. Don't tell me about I can't call him that and all of that. If God is not that close to you, they'll make that my problem. And then don't make that mistake. Okay, okay. if you're not that close with God, don't call him sugar. Don't call don't him sugar. No, no. Well, he'll tell you, because somebody wrote me and said, I tried that, and God told me, I got that for her, not you. You're not in that place with me. I said, oh, okay. So there you go. But I, the 30 years, man, that's my honey. But if you want to, you can you can uh, sow a seed on Cash App, do, uh, dollar sign, Paula Price, do, yeah, Dr. Paula Price. Well, you want to do it? Just sure, you can go to your dollar sign, Dr. Paula Price on Cash App, and then PayPal.me backslash Dr. Paula Price. And sow a seed into this because I know it changed a lot of your heart and changed a lot of your soul. <laughs> you need to sow into what changes you, not just into what's popular mm-hmm. and what you've heard. You should always sow into what is actually changing you because that means that the word is bearing fruit. And we always, we always say we want to sow into good ground. But what's good ground? Uh, ground that is actually bearing fruit to your life and fruit to your development in Jesus Christ. And so you tune in every Paula Price show, and she always brings you good word and good fruit uh, to, to grow thereby. So that's dollar sign, Dr. Paula Price, paypal.me, okay, backslash Dr. Paula Price. And may I suggest, if you are going to implement what I said, then give God a devotional offering. God, I'm showing this seed. And don't give it because you're like, well, all I got is whatever. No, dig where you've not been. Go into that vacation plan, etc. Because you have to show God that you're serious. And you're not going to start something with them and not finish it. And on my close, I would say this. If God seems to take us, his time responding is because God wants to make sure you're serious. Because if you're not serious, he has to respond with judgment. Well, we're done. Thank you, team. Yes, yes. Appreciate you all. We'll be back next Thursday on the Jesus and Paula show. It's going to be Jesus and Paula until Jesus changes it. I've never known him to knock his own name out, so I'm thinking he's probably going to be around for a while. All right. All right. And we will, don't forget to join us Sunday at the Congregation of the Mighty, where God stands. Join us at 8 a.m. for Sunday school and 10 a.m. for service. Until then, I love you. For those of you who have been sowing, I command the harvest. I commission good fruit. I commission good harvest. I command success. I give you jobs. I give you promotions. I, I, I resolve court suits in your favor. I cancel your debt. I cancel your debt in Jesus' name. I get you in school. One of you all want to get in school. I summon your tuition to come in for all 
sorts of ways to get you in school. And most importantly, I bless your house, I bless your families, I bless your marriage, and I bless your children. Have a great weekend. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.